What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Uh, uh. Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. kids you like professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too allegedly allegedly yeah uh and <laughs> shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino and chris i went on an adventure yesterday and i may never ever go to a grocery store again i went to a restaurant supply warehouse oh yeah those are cool an actual one where you can only where you can only get in if you're a manager of a of a restaurant or they'll give you a day pass to go in there and they don't have shopping carts you are in there with a wheelie cart type of thing the the booze is cheap the meat is cheap everything's cheap and it's in such great portions it is i was looking at this and going what do i need this whole side of beef for and yet I almost bought one, but <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I have a giant salami, like almost like a deli sized salami that I bought just for snacking. I'm like, this, why would I ever go to a grocery store ever again? It was amazeballs. And I almost wish I had a second freezer at this point. There you go. There you go. I need to, <laughs> need to get back into cooking uh, down at regular elevation. I will be cooking tomorrow because i'll be on Hold the on. mountain how does, top how does, high, how does higher elevation affect like a crock pot or something does it take longer because the air is thinner um it would theoretically but because i use the pressure cooker setting it okay. doesn't okay yeah yeah, yeah well, the pressure I, I, cooker would i mean that's like being on inside of an airplane it's just gonna really right just... right no oh. no so that, that that's that's actually why the instapot for the mountaintop is a lovely thing so you get like huge portions it's savory, which is good when you're working, you know, when you're working on top of the mountain or whatever. And then, you know, uh, I will have, uh, you know, plenty to eat on. We'll be up there. I'll be up there starting Friday at noon 
and then all the way through Saturday afternoon, I should be getting back from the mountain around 2 or 3 p.m. All I know is I can get a giant bottle of Buffalo Trace for like 30 bucks. <laughs> in stores it's like 70 i'm like i'm never buying anything at a store ever again uh yeah i i'm now what i want you to think about which is a weird thing for me to be pitching to you as i'm uh approaching 49 days of sobriety yeah. think about how drunk you would be on top of a mountain drinking that buffalo trace oh you'd be such a elevation. cheap date you'd be such a cheap date uh <laughs> I won't ever know, oh, but no, I will I've been, tell you, I've been smoke, drinking in smoking Denver. hits pretty good up there, too. Oh, I've been drinking in Denver before. Went the same weekend as the Great American Beer Fest, but there's also an improv festival there that weekend. Oh, yeah, the, the thin air. That'll, uh, I'll have one drink, and then I'll be done for the night. Thank you very much. Um, but now, the mountaintop would be double the elevation. That's it's true. 10, 000, yeah, it's 10,000 feet, so it really hits you. You could get in shape quick up there, Chris. You know, you can uh, Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pushing some snow. Don't worry, uh, buddy. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting a workout. Uh, that, that is my new sort of uh, work plan and workout plan consists of being on top of a mountain one day a week and pushing snow because i'll be doing it this week i'll be doing it next week at least uh and then we'll see when they need me again but uh you know especially since i cook food i'm a popular guy to have as your secondary on top of the mountain i'm easy to get along with and i cook a good meal well we've we've been down this road before chris oh no we're breaking up again (laughs) again Uh, During SmackDown on Friday night, at least the East Coast feed, Vince McMahon officially stepped down from TKO, company that bought up WWE and also owns the UFC. McMahon releasing a statement, quote, out of respect for the WWE universe, the extraordinary TKO business and its board members and shareholders, partners and constituents, and all of the employees and superstars who helped make WWE into the global leader it is today, I have decided to resign from my executive chairmanship and the TKO board of directors effective immediately, McMahon said. Nick Khan, in an email to employees, he will no longer have a role with TKO Group Holdings or WWE. Jeff Hawkins says... For the time being, <laughs> he came back before he'll be, he, I don't know if he survives this one, but God help us. Yeah. Um, that filing did, 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 did some damage to the stock, did some damage to the board, did some damage. And they all knew this coming in that this was a possibility, but Vince McMahon, get the hell out. Chris, your thoughts. <laughs> Well, I would like to begin by saying you're welcome, Vince, uh, on behalf (laughs) of the WWE universe. Uh, I think that I think it's kind of beautiful that he put us first in his statement. And uh, however this shakes out, uh, it'll always be something I'll remember about him, of course. Uh, Other than that he needed to go obviously i don't think he survives this one jeff i really don't i it, i don't think he too... survives it but i think he gets out uh better than you think and i'll tell you why in a moment i think he might get out better than you think on this one but then there's just this open question of what are these other cases yeah if, if there this, are other cases 
Well, there's got to, well, we know there's other hush money payments. Yes, there's other hush money payments, but I don't know if they'll be, you know, if, yeah. the thing they need, though, to me is to declare the NDAs invalid, and then the cases will come. If they don't declare the NDA invalid, you're not going to get these cases. Although uh, the attorney for Janelle Grant uh, also saying, hey, there, people are flooding their inbox saying, hey, <laughs> I'd like to be in on this too. This might turn into a class action is what this might turn into, which would be yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I mean, and if, you know, there is fire underneath that smoke, and I, I just like most of the stuff in the filing, I, I tend my my gut just says as I'm reading that filing, they've got the goods on this. Well, it's you know, funny you should say that because uh, not denying anything, old Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis has lawyered up Vice reporting today. Um, I'm going to read the statement uh, in a response to a follow up question seeking to clarify that he was indeed saying that McMahon was the predator. And that Laurinaitis, like Grant, was a victim. Yeah, those things are equal. Johnny, Jeff, editorializing. Brennan wrote, quote, read the allegations, read the federal statute, power, control, employment, supervisory capacity, dictatorial sexual demands with repercussions if not met. Count how many times in the complaint Vince exerts control over both of them. Uh, the opening line of his attorney saying read the allegations uh is very very damning for mcmahon and it seems like johnny ace is just ready to you know throw anyone and everyone under the bus to try to save his own ass here. he's turned states here he is yeah he is yeah a rat and the yeah. funny thing is no matter how many people when vince did terrible things that oh vince no he's a great guy misunderstood blah 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 ain't nobody ever defended johnny ace Nobody, which which would be an amazing thing. In his Hall of Fame speech, Abdullah the Butcher would say he wish he'd shot on he wish he'd shot on Johnny Ace more. Um <laughs> if Johnny Ace ends up being a hero in this in any way, F that. I, I'm sorry. Well, no, 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 no. Johnny Ace would not be a hero in any of this, Jeff. No, I know. I know. Let, let, let's he be very clear. Be. He no, cannot it, be. It, 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 in part, going back to what his attorney said, look at you know, look at the nature of these acts and the power, which, which is what what they are saying is, oh, Johnny did it, but he was forced. <laughs> oh, <to."> <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'm sorry. I, I have, I have a vivid imagination, Chris. But yeah. that is the crux of their defense right now. The crux of their defense is John Vince made Johnny have sex in a threesome yep. with him, and made Johnny look at those dirty pictures of his girlfriend. Johnny was scared not to look. Johnny at the was dirty afraid pictures. to say he no to having sex with an attractive woman. No, I'm sorry. I, I can't get over that hill. That's just, that's just like, you know, he did it, but he didn't enjoy it ever. But, but, but for real, if you're McMahon's attorneys, you have to be gulping, listening to the yes. opening salvo of Lauren. Yes, because he didn't deny it. He didn't deny no, any No, no. The, the opening salvo of Lauren Itis's attorney is Johnny did it, but 
it's bad and he's sorry it's a lot <laughs> like that aqua teen hunger force episode yes. where master shake dumps all of the oil and he has to go to tree court <laughs> and frylock's trying to defend him and frylock's like what's that thing where he did it but he's sorry and then the tree judge is like evisceration by a thousand branches of a mighty oak <laughs> that is the most on brand for jeff and yet arcane slash weird reference i think we've ever had on this show I just... but that is the the it is. defense it's the frylock defense unless vince literally had a gun to johnny's head while they were all naked this is not an excuse that's gonna fly in court with a jury in a civil case i'm sorry I, I want to make now, it now, real hold on, clear. Now, hold on, hold on, well, Lorelei, hold on. Oh, Laura Nice is, okay. is going to be uh, liable, possibly, in this suit. If he offers criminal proof of some kind, I'm, I, you know. <laughs> let's go, let's go be real clear here uh, for the audience. What we are laughing about is not the nature of the case, but the no. absurd nature the of this, of what of this defense. Like, right it, now, yes. And the bizarre self-sabotaging nature of the opening salvo of Johnny Ace's defense. I don't know that it'd be better to go for abject denial, but it's unclear to me how this does him any good whatsoever. Why is his lawyer saying a damn thing? Right. I, I just, I don't understand this strategy at all. There, there's just baffling stuff amongst all these morons. Uh, does WWE have a PR department? Because uh, also later uh, this week, if you watched that that press scrum after the Royal Rumble, Triple H not having a good day and not having exactly the best uh, public relations skills in the world dealing with this, got hammered for three of the first four questions were about this Vince thing. And boy, were these some lame answers he was giving. Um, everything we can. You know, <laughs> doing everything we can. We don't want to take focus away from the performers right now, blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of crap. And then, and then, and then HBK slightly doing better in terms of, you know, in terms of knowing that his responsibility is as a trainer to provide a safe environment for, you know, for, for students at the performance center, blah, blah, blah. But then he gets hit with, oh, by the way, Brutus Beefcake's been talking about how you and Marty Jannetty used to date rape women type of thing. So he had to deal with that. Th th this entire thing and the amount of mainstream media that is now on this Vince McMahon story, they may be lucky to survive this whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I think in particular... I think if Levesque goes, Michaels is gone too. And Levesque's got serious problems in this story. Not that he was involved in what McMahon was doing, but that there are real issues, the Watergate sort of questions of what did Hunter know and when did he know it? Yes. And I think a damning part in that narrative is going to be the board vote that got changed where they unanimously voted him off of the board 
and then when and then Vince Brooke came back, yeah, yes, and also right. whether, and also that, which that wa- speaks to state of mind. I I, yes. I keep going back to that one where they at that point it's going to be very hard for them to argue that they didn't know something. I mean, they, they could skate away with it, but it beggars belief. Well, it also sure. depends on which number of what uh, there are four unnamed executives in there. Which number is Triple H? That's going to be the big one for me. You know, is he the guy with the office next door? <laughs> is he, you know, there's, you know, there, there's enough for all of them to go around. Uh, I'm reading this paragraph. McMahon instructed Grant to create, quote unquote, explicit content for Laurinaitis and arrange a threesome between them, after which Laurinaitis declined to answer when Grant asked if this was the first time this had happened. Later, the suit says she was transferred to the talent relations department, which Laura Knight is headed, a transfer that came, the suit says, quote, with the expectation for both McMahon and Laura Knight that she engaged with Laura Knight sexually, both physically and with explicit content. It, this was bad enough that the uh, the Bella twins or the former Bella twins, now the Garcia twins, came out and uh, basically said, uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> And we're and we're and my mom's trying to deal with all this. Um, yeah, let the, let them all burn if it's true, which it probably is. I, I, I go going back to the Johnny Ace defense. At this point, I believe that the filing is true. I know we have a system of law. Blah blah blah. I've heard some other weenie takes this week on this sort of thing, but. In light of the Laurinaitis defense, and especially on my initial impressions of the filing anyways, I am going to be operating under the assumption that the filing is mostly true, uh, you know, with maybe certain details or whatever being off or whatever. But like, I'm going to be operating with it's mostly true until they show in court that it's not true. I am Uh, of the opinion that this, here's, here's the troubling thing. For, uh, uh, I mean, a much <laughs> not the troubling thing, but but something that's been in the back of my head. Vince can't let this get to discovery or trial. He can't. And the temptation for Grant to take what will probably be a vast sum of money, and I'm talking a a large percentage possibly of Shane and Stephanie's inheritance. Yeah. It would have to be a large settlement. And if that happened, it would also, I I guarantee you almost Vince would also put in there that there will be no explicit um, admittance of wrongdoing and that the matter will be closed. And that is going to be, that is the kind of pressure I would I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Because it, it's going to be, I think, a nine figure type of payoff. It would have to be, I would think. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, at this point, I think that's in that kind of close to what they're seeking in court, anyways. I don't know if they're seeking damage. I mean, how much in damages they're seeking? I did not see. I I don't remember that part of the filing. If you have it in front of you. I don't. I but yeah, I guess in my head I thought they were. I, I thought I remember. That, I don't think they maybe, were asked. I, I, think, I, I, could I thought, totally I thought they left that. it open for or for uh, both kinds of damages for a jury to decide. Mm, mm. And then they'll so. give the net worth and whatnot and go. Okay, what percentage should he have to pay? But 
boy, if I'm if I have fu money, I'm seventy something years old, going on eighty. <laughs> Shane, Stephanie, nice knowing you. You don't get the second house, okay? I'm 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 giving a check, and I have six zeros on there, and maybe two others in front of it. And I go, how much do you want? And and Vince McMahon's going to be the type of person to do that type of yeah. stuff. That's well, that'd be thing. that'd be one more way. That'd be one more way for him to exert power. Yeah, like he he would actually like. You know, again, I just think the recurring theme in the filing, and then now, of course, people have been doing a forensic pathologic analysis of Vince McMahon on screen a bit more here, and seeing some of the same things that you know uh, that that have been many of us have been seeing out there for a long time, and. I think that Vince's, you know, humiliation, control fetish, all of that would very much get off on the idea of, yeah, in the very end, though, I was able to buy her off. Like, like I was, I was ultimately able to clean up the mess. Um, One, one other random bank shot thing that I had this, this week, a random thought uh, around this story here. Uh, takes us back to the mid aughts as well, where we know Vince was doing a lot of this stuff. Like we know what Vince was like around this vintage now. And uh, you might remember a specific WrestleMania program involving Bobby Lashley and one Donald Trump, the host of television's The Apprentice at that time. You're going to go down Uh, this route, you think? Okay. uh, it's an election it dude it's an election year i'm right. not say, i'm not saying uh, right now is there any concrete anything no um but like dude if, if vince and trump were hanging out at that time um and we know the behavior of these two guys you know i wouldn't bet against it if there were bets to be made now will it come out mm-hmm. nah it won't come. It won't come out if it if it did, and I I, I you know I I'd say it's even money. <laughs> I, I right, but it's not anything less than even money. It's not anything keep, less than even it, money. No, no that's, that's what not. I keep coming back to. No, you, you you like you look at it. You're like, uh, I I wouldn't feel good. I don't. I, there are others in that money. circle that I mentioned that I go, oh, now I have to wonder. And I mean, even like Lance right? Storm, Lance Storm wondering about the uh, the property manager. Who, who who sent her to Vince? I think I think that that's you know last week I expressed some degree of sympathy just on the initial reading of it, but like yeah no I have questions on that and yeah look uh, these people all operate in rings you know what I mean like like they yeah. you know that that's that's the other thing is they they seek each other out uh, they they have like a little community of uh, of, of this uh, so I uh, you know it, it's it's. It's not like I, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to get like into politics in particular, but I did just have like that kind of shower thought earlier this week. And I'm like, dude, they were in business together. Like how long, like, uh, how long is that the WrestleMania program? Like didn't that kind of like wrap around for the better part of a year? Yeah. But they also had like a two year deal with like Trump at, at right. in, in Atlantic city. When they right did, when they did right. the WrestleMania is there too. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. So his relate and that's that's the other thing is his relationship with Trump extends further back than just that 2006 run too. It's just weird to think about. Uh, like, but in light of these in light of these allegations, 
it it it's something that I I've now at least been kicking around in my brain a little bit uh as just uh trash tv I, guess. I i i have a lot of things i could say and they're all terrible jokes and they they b- do not belong here because of the uh gravity of the situation unfortunately so my gallows humor will have to uh, wait for another time but like even money even money even money uh <laughs> cm punk tourist tricep during uh the royal rumble on saturday uh it looks to be uh missing wrestlemania That's all I got for that story until we get to the lazy river and I'll talk about the segment. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy just has the worst luck. First big match and uh, and out for a extended period and um, kind of similar to what happened with him in uh, AEW in a way after he won I, the title. Yeah, it just it cracks me up because when he was being introduced during the Rumble, uh, they one of the announcers, I can't remember if it was Cole, I think it was McAfee was talking about his physique and I was just like, really, if we're going to try to go with CM Punk, the body guy. Okay, sure. Why not? I had an interesting discussion in, uh, in, in one of the discords that I'm in with, with people who are in wrestling media about whether or not, um, performance enhancing drugs count as a uh, straight edge or not. It was, let's put it this way. There, there, there's a certain sect of straight edge that, thinks that there are some things that are that are uh still okay to take it was just one of those things that uh you kind of go because it's the type of injuries that that are like that and it's like yeah i don't see punk as that kind of guy to be honest with you i i do think he takes i do think he takes it seriously but man if, if it came out like oh yeah no i was taking uh you know an anabolic steroid or something like that i mean w- w- would that just kill his entire straight edge aura and just everything he was saying was a lie the whole time. It's just one of those weird things where if it ever came out, it, it's a hypothetical. I'm not implying anything. I don't know anything. I, I don't, I mean, like, yes, but he's also so gifted on the mic that he yes. could then turn that into a great heel run. Where yes, like, he could. He could. Yeah. That, that, that I say actually... put him on, put him on commentary. Don't make him go away. Just, you know, send him to NXT and let him put over the young kids or something instead of Booker T who was dreadful. But, uh, oh, speaking of which, uh, your commentary team for SmackDown, Corey Graves on play-by-play and uh, Wade Wade uh, Bennett on color. Okay. Why are we not, why are we not elevating Vic? Because he, he was on Raw once before? I, I, I don't get it at all. Wade yeah. Barrett. Well, not Bennett. Barrett. Yeah, yeah, Stu Bennett. Stu Bennett is uh, what he does. He goes by now. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And... <laughs> Uh, Graves and Bennett have some decent chemistry and Graves can do the kind of play-by-play straight man thing. Like it's, it's all right. And Pat McAfee's back on raw and I like Pat, but boy, he wasn't watching the product at all. And he is overextended right now and a bit overexposed to be honest with you. Yes. Yes. On both fronts. Yeah. I I mean, he was dreadful on the rumble. I hate to say that because I like him. I mean, he his excitement is great, but uh, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a reference here. Do you remember uh, the short uh, the short love affair WWF had with uh, um, Art Donovan, the ex uh, Indianapolis Colts lineman who Dave Letterman loved bringing on, and he was kind of like a little bit weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of remember this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he Vaguely. was asked, he was doing a lot of the same lines as Art Donovan. Like, how big is that guy? How much does he weigh? Kind of a thing. And I'm just like, dude, you're lucky you have goodwill right now because you are stinking up the joint. Oh, over in AEW land, Dynamite, 818,000 viewers for, for, for Dynamite on TBS. Lowest audience total the show has done since January 10th. I don't know if that's really, I don't think that's a thing, Dave, but okay. <laughs> it's the lowest they've done wow, in two wow, weeks. Wow, wow. A deep analysis oh, there. Uh, Dynamite... You know, it's a number that really gives us context, <laughs> right? Dynamite, Dynamite drew a .26 rating in the demo. 18 to 49. Meanwhile, collision 300,000.06 up against the rumble again. And this will lead into the lazy river. We'll get into the rumble and stuff first, but dude, they barely drew 2000 in new Orleans with Chris Jericho, Jeff Hardy, John Moxley, Adam page and swerve Strickland. So you had your member berries, nostalgia acts that you could see. You had your current stars that they're hyping and Samoa Joe and your future. And it couldn't draw 2000 in a major metropolitan area. I am gobsmacked. I'll, I'll have a lot more to say about dynamite uh, during the actual lazy river, but um, anything quick or anything you want to wrap up out of any of those things I just said. I mean, I, I think it's the, attendance numbers that are particularly scary for AEW. Uh, you know, it, it, when you're looking at the downward trend in viewership, okay, 818, they've done worse, but, you know, the expectations for Dynamite to me have always been, this is a show that in order to be like a upper echelon company, right? Like not like a straight up competitor to WWE, but like the true alternative, the benchmark to me has always been 1 million. Dynamite should be able to get 1 million. And to me, something's off with the sauce if you can't get a million. I don't want to be uh, these darn kids, but I also think the lo- the fact that these aren't crowds that are loud and rowdy and big because they're choosing not to pay to go to these things and instead maybe watching TV or whatever. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think 1 million is the benchmark. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you have to, you kind of cross reference that against attendance. Like, look, uh, they're going to all these towns and they're, you know, getting 10,000 or whatever on a regular basis. And, and you know, and they were you know, averaging 800, 900,000. I'm way less worried about it. It's, the fact that they are running major metros, I guess we'll see how they do in Phoenix uh, when they go out there. Um, but they're running these major metros and they kind of, you know, feel like a house in search of a show rather than a show in search of a house. Yes. Uh, that, that I think is a problem. So that'll do it for the news part. Now into the lazy river of wrestling criticism. We have a lot to get through. Um, Whatever we watched, whatever we saw, uh, Chris is going to be mostly WWE. I did watch some AEW, but we have ice cold takes and a preview. So ice cold takes on the Royal Rumble, usually WWE's best pay-per-view. Um, I still was entertained by it, but boy, did I find it very mid. I found it meh. The Rumbles are story matches. I get it. 
But boy, I, I watched the 88 Rumble uh, leading up to this, and I prefer big guys punching, kicking, and trying to throw guys over as the aesthetic in terms of the picture instead of everybody laying on the ground while, while guys do high spots. But that's just me. I, I want more of a battle royal kind of a thing where it's like I want to see them trying. I know battle royals are boring. I get that. Um, I thought Jordan Grace looked very good as a guest star for TNA. But can she not uh, eliminate Maxine Dupree, who is dreadful? And does Maxine Dupree need to be made superior because she's a WWE talent? No, give Jordan Grace an elimination. She got no eliminations. She did get some good spots in. I thought it was very good. I thought they introduced Jade Cargo very well. She got the big spot, eliminating Nia with the body slam. Um, I did laugh at R-Truth getting a hot tag in a Royal Rumble. He's so fantastic at being so unrepentantly stupid. Um, And I actually thought the two other matches, while not great, like I, I thought the DQ on Kevin Owens was smartly done. Yeah. I did. And it made me mad that they didn't do a DQ on Dynamite in the uh, Kyle Fletcher versus Chris Jericho match, since it was all to set up a match for Takeshita versus Jericho on the Phoenix show. I, I AEW doesn't like doing disqualifications. You know, is it, oh, the other company doesn't. Oh, WWE doesn't do DQs all that much. Now, what both companies do in spades is the stupid distraction stuff with managers and seconds and thirds and crap like that on their weekly television from week to week. But a good DQ can be the end of a good story and can make everybody look good. And this especially made the referee look good, in which case they usually just make them look like idiots. I I really liked that ending to that match. But uh, your thoughts on Rumble, Chris? It's weird. You look at the card and, I mean, I liked the ending to Logan Paul and Kevin Owens. Uh, you know, relatively brief match coming in at uh, Wikipedia is at 14 minutes. But I think, like, that's with inferences. And I think the actual match was, like, closer to 12. Yes. And... The four-way, which I guess we can talk about next, was sports entertaining, but such a foregone conclusion. And I feel like the job of a match like that is to make the three guys who are obviously losing seem awesome. Yes. And I didn't I didn't come out of that match thinking AJ was awesome or LA Knight was awesome or Randy was awesome. And that really should have been the message. I, I, I think being non-committal on who quote unquote should have won the title in that match was a bit, I, I get that we're on the road to WrestleMania, but you plant a seed, you leave a story unfinished and then crazy idea, you finish the story. Um, and in this case, I don't know, make a decision. Is it Randy Orton who basically had Roman Reigns pinned? Was it you know, LA Knight who once again had Roman Reigns knocking on the door, but couldn't, you know, couldn't quite pull it out. Like, there should have been a more clear second place finish in that match as well. I'm just tired of people not planning for friggin' Solo Sokoa. You know, we've had how many of these title defenses and how many days of, of the tribal chiefs reign. 
and nobody ever has a contingency plan for when Solo Sokoa is going to come down and drag the referee out during a three count. And in this case, an easy out is each one of these guys has a buddy. So, like, you actually have three guys come out and just annihilate Solo Sokoa. Yeah, that makes Solo. Yeah, it makes Solo look good. But like, yeah, LA Knight has a friend. Randy has a friend. Uh, have uh, AJ Styles have a friend. Um, but basically, they have something to counteract this. And they've done nothing with Solo since the actual breakup of this entire uh, Bloodline crew. You know, as he's just there doing the same thumb shtick. You know, being being Roman's enforcer, whereas he was kind of an interesting character during the Usos uh tension with Roman. Yeah. I, I just yeah. find him an uninteresting character. I mean, I'd love to go back to the Rhea solo stare down because that was at least interesting too. Um yeah, overall, you know, it was it was it was a good I mean it 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 didn't there's nothing amazing about anything in this rumble. That's that's the thing. Other than maybe Jade Cargill lifting up Nia like she's nothing. And that was that was impressive. But hey, congrats. Aunt Pam winning a Royal Rumble. Very happy for her. Uh follow-up did very little, but uh we'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. And, and then Cody you know, Cody Rhodes, it, I mean, it's the right move. Uh it would have been silly for them to have punk beat cody here uh i think you know last episode we talked about maybe the rock being on the episode uh or being on the show and once once that was clear that that wasn't happening uh who'd they even have come out at 30 i forget it was uh sammy zane sammy zane yeah once it was, it was like sammy zane at 30 you're like okay well he's not winning the rumble now so, well now we'll say on the men's side they did a much better job with the promos on raw because man that uh that Drew and Punk one, that was, that was my jam. <laughs> when, when, when Drew pulls out, because they give him the what treatment, which is just stupid, because this is a really great segment. And when Drew goes, you know, I'm not a spiritual man, but, you know, because the, the, Punk, I mean, Punk I, I... played this, this crowd like a fiddle with the whole cancer uh, friend thing. And really, and, you know, my dream and, you know, screw that. You guys are the real winners here. I mean, it, it was a masterful performance by Punk. And then Drew comes out seemingly touched by Punk's statement. He goes, I prayed for this. I went, oh, that's such a great line. That's such a great effing line right there. Go ahead, Chris. No, I, I it, Drew McIntyre's doing some of the best character work of his life. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that not line. Just, not just his life, but in, in I mean, I think the last time, I mean, the Sami Zayn bloodline stuff was great. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, this, this was just another level of heel promo and I'm going to live your dream at WrestleMania. Oh, that's so good and evil. I loved it. I loved this entire segment between those the, two. The other opportunity to miss though, I think during this rumble, which, which I, I agree mid to upper mid would be my kind of like, it was entertaining. Yes. I, I, yes. I, you know, it still I, a, it's a story match. Both rumbles are story matches. Yeah, and like the show was kind of like you know easy to digest or whatever. It's not a meal I'd have twice, but like you know it was entertaining. So I'll say you know mid to upper mid. Uh, but you know, Sami Zayn, if, if this company had a little bit more narrative discipline, especially with him coming in at thirty. It would be real interesting to have told the story with him being a dark horse and saying like he has his own story to finish with Roman Reigns. Yeah, but like, like Cody, Cody is so obsessed that he's got this story, but Sami Zayn 
predates Cody's story. And, you know, like I, I, I think there was a much better opportunity to make this like a showdown between like Cody punk and Sammy, all three of whom legitimately have stories that they want to finish. Well, it's like, interesting you say that. Cause it kind of think it also leads into the problem that they had with this Cody Seth promo, which I also thought was really, really good. But Seth is talking about Roman's title as the political title as you know, it's one of those things where if Seth had creative freedom and if we could have sat down there and talked about this, Seth should have looked at Cody and said, you want to fight me because you'll be fighting a guy who wants to fight you for a title instead of the guy who always cheats instead of the guy who always looks for the cheap way out instead of the coward that Roman Reigns is, but you can't call him a coward because then we, they, everybody gets a little bit nervous about his legacy and stuff like that. But really Seth Rollins needs to call Roman Reigns a coward to try and lure Cody and really fire at home that Cody wants to pick a guy that he wants to have a knockdown drag out battle of wills with, as opposed to this other guy who's going to be bringing Paul Heyman and Solo with him. I, I It was just something that rang hollow to me the whole time because, and even though, look, Cody sold it well because Cody, Cody chews the scenery like unlike any other superstar in WWE right now. But, but Seth needs to be more manipulative here and he's not allowed to because he can't go after Roman. Yeah. Um, and there's also this question, and, and I, I think you know it's like what is Seth's end game here like why why would Seth want this you know um, why would he want Cody yes why would he want Cody to pick him uh I, I think it's probably because he's trying to elevate that title yeah no I get I mean I'm trying I to mean, think of a kayfabe reason right I'm trying to think of a kayfabe reason exactly like it, you know it there oh, so that to... Seth can be the in the main event of 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 of, uh, of WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Like, like you know, that we need to kind of get that. Or yeah, we do. I think even more interesting. I think more interesting angle is you start getting clear friction between Roman and Seth. Um, that's not paid off until we get to the other side of Mania. But like Seth basically sort of makes it clear that like he wants a title shot. Meanwhile, we do have a premium live event this weekend. The NXT brand doing Vengeance Day on February 4th in Clarksville, Tennessee, continuing their run of kind of B-cities outside of major metropolitan areas. The last uh, PLE, as you might recall, was in Bakersfield, California, a lively and raucous crowd there. I assume Clarksville, Tennessee is going to be the same right now, a six-match card. Chris, we'll pick the winners, we'll preview, and then we can uh, do anything that's lingering on on NXT and our thoughts on the Lazy River before I hit AEW a little bit hard. With even though you didn't watch it, I'm going to uh, going to give you a statement, and I'm going to let you uh, marinate in it a bit. But uh, anyways, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals: the Wolf Dogs of Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker versus the Trick Mellow Gang of Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Before we get into the match, a little shout out to Legato Del Fantasmo. My God, they look like 
they look like that awesome team in the territories that would come in and just light the territory on fire with some of their moves in that match against Trick Mello. Loved them. I assume this is going to be the Wolf Dogs winning this when Hayes and Williams can't communicate or something like that. It's going to lead to the split up, I would think. But maybe Hayes and Williams pull this out, but they're all kind of giving each other the side eye. What do you think? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Chris? Uh, no, I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, I, 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 think, I, think, I think Hayes and Mello win, and okay. that escalates tensions. I think I think that uh, the obvious. Oh yeah, no, I the think- tension's not going to break until they have the tag team title match. You're right. You're right. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that. Yeah, I think they win this, and then like they lose the title match. Uh, I, I think what ends up or, or what ends up happening is it. It's got to be that Mello attacked Trick here. I, I think Mel- Mello's been lying like that. They've the way they've blocked this out so many times earlier. It it's been very clear that like mellow attacks trick, not, uh, not Ilya, but, and Ilya is just messing with him at this point. In a very sneaky, sneaky match. That might be good. Dijak versus Joe Gacy in a no disqualification match. Now I hate Joe Gacy's character work right now. It's just annoying to me at this point, but in the ring, he's still very good to me. And Dijak's, Dijak's game for anything. Uh, I have Dijak winning this. What do you have? Yeah, I'm not crazy about Shtick Foley, but Shtick Foley. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I I think this match has potential. Uh, I think Dijak ends up winning it though. Uh, uh, since since we're also doing Lazy River of NXT, let me mention that that Chase U segment. With tell me a lie, <laughs> which is the old Shawn Michaels uh, lost his smile when they did the uh, when they did the video package, but they did it for Chase U this time, and then for JC Jane to come up with a uh, with a with a fix straight out of a Cinemax at one thirty in the morning movie. <laughs> Those calendars are gonna be on sale in Tennessee. I just. Oh, the utter stupidity and ridiculousness of of Chase U. God, I adore I, them. Chris. I I liked when the girls of Chase U came out, and it was the most non-committal, half-acid attempt to like be posy and sexy. Uh, like, but at they, the same time, keeping respectful of the news of the week, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, hey, anybody ever see Bikini Car Wash when they were a kid? Okay. <laughs> yeah, the they're all coming out there and they're like, clap, clap, thumbs up, thumbs up. And, and I'm like... Not, nothing sexual or anything like that because, hey, this is a week that Vince McMahon... <laughs> to go. Yeah, they play it absolutely uh, PG. <laughs> and to be clear, I appreciate the, the thought put into that yes um but the actual subsequent art resulted in this uncanny valley thing where where these people are coming out and acting in a way that's incongruous oh, it was awkward the actual all. skin yes. yeah yeah 
Uh, the family of Tony D'Angelo, Channing Stax, Lorenzo, and Adriana Rizzo versus Out the Mud, Lucian Price, Bronco Nima, and Jada Parker with scripts. I think Out the Mud gets this. My man Scripps is just killing it on the promos right now, right, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, just killing it. I, you know, each week is a little bit stronger. I, I just, this guy really feels like he's from the streets. And <laughs> <laughs> if I had a... If I, <laughs> no. no, no. It's like it started out good and now it's just getting into try hard territory <laughs> these promos it they remind me of Chris, a, you sound more from the streets than scripts does at times I, if i had a friend who was from the streets i'd want him to sound like scripts that's a, such a mcmahon move though where it's like uh you know the the uh the racial epithet term he used to uh eddie guerrero when uh it, you have to blanket up a bit yeah, that's what it feels like to me. It feels like there's a lot of Vince still in this product um, on a lot of levels, to be honest with you. Uh, this this type of faction feels really dated. I, I, derivative. I think it feels derivative as hell, der- too. Yeah, derivative, dated. It, it And I think that's honestly one of the most sort of damning indictments with this we're from the streets sort of thing. The idea of being from the streets is sort of – at its you know best or whatever you're unrelentingly authentic uh but also in touch with what is going on right now so the death of any of these from the street sort of gimmicks is when you like you know you come in 60 year old white guy shouldn't be booking guys from the streets unless they have a lot of input on the gimmick right i you know i dress up in like a wife beater and start calling myself johnny knuckles or something like that oh like the family well, <laughs> you know, also, also a really dated and crap gimmick. Uh, yes. uh, no, I, I mean, and the thing with D'Angelo is he's such a strong performer at the gimmick that I get the impulse to keep him with it. But if you don't have any material that's worth a damn, then there's no point in keeping him doing this like the dynamic between him and Stax lorenzo is just completely flat adriana rizzo adds nothing yes. like, like and, and she and you know they try to put her over it's like well she's the one who fixes the problems but like what problem has she fixed like you know show show me show me a situation where rizzo fixes you know corrects a problem for real yeah Oba Femi versus Dragon Lee for the North American Championship. Uh, okay. Oba Femi wins this, probably. Oh, I mean, Oba Femi wins this. Dragon Lee does all the work. It's short. Yes, yes it's short. Um, for the NXT Women's Championship, a very interesting clash of two characters that were formerly good and now I can't stand. Champion Lyra Valkyria defending against Roxanne Perez. Um, Chris, I'm going to let you go first because I think I know what's going to happen here, but we'll see. I think Lyra Valkyria turns heel during the course of this match. That oh. uh, I thought I thought it was Roxanne who was was turning during the course of this match, but I think it's Lyra Valkyria that like she finally accepts Tatum Paxley's help and like Tatum Paxley's friendship 
and turns to the dark side and becomes a heel champion. I'm going the opposite way. I think Lyra Valkyria stops Tatum from cheating, and then Roxanne Perez cheats Lyra out of the belt. Interesting. She's been cutting these promos again that are just out of character for what I want to see out of Rock the Roxanne Perez thing. Oh, and by the way, that was a useless rumble spot. Putting in Roxanne Perez in there to do nothing. That was great. I just I did not understand that at all. I mean, the two NXT people they had in the in the women's rumble were her and Tiffany Strat. Tiffany Strat looked like a million bucks. Roxanne Perez went in there and did a move. Why not put in Lyra Valkyria to expose the NXT women's champion to people? I, I just, it was And just... then have Roxanne be upset that she wasn't in the Rumble yes. rather than have Roxanne go in the Rumble and look like a clown and have to cruise into this title match. Yeah, and, and now she's she's kind of giving heelish promos on NXT. I'm just, do not, she's going to become Cora Jade is what she's going to become. <laughs> That's going to be the irony thing is Roxanne becomes Cora Jade in this match because Cora's going to be out for nine months or whatever. Yeah, I, that does increase the likelihood of a Roxanne heel turn. But I, I, I do think this match is a heel turn. I, I had Lyra like this is gonna be an but, overbooked match, is in my opinion, is what it's gonna be. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think Roxanne's already been champion, and they tend yeah. to like not love to rush. And back it feels like they it. don't want to pull the trigger on bringing her up to the main roster because I think they think she's small, or nobody knows how to book a decent baby face in this company because good people are <laughs> stupid. For some reason, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand it, but I guess we're going to have to get it. And then for the NXT title, Ilya Dragunov versus Trick Williams. I adore, I adore Ilya Dragunov's character work. Yes. He's, he's become such a good promo too. In addition to being such a good in-ring talent, he's now a very interesting, you, he knows how to play you can't quite trust me right so perfectly in his second language uh, he 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 hits the tone just right he knows how to have the mannerisms and everything that just evoke unease and he's probably telling the truth but he's doing it all in like a way that you're never quite sure what's true what's not true i I love him. He's he's moving up the ladder every week. Is I was one of my favorite champions ever. I was absolutely gobsmacked because I was having a conversation with um, Alex Palowski over at Fightful, my friend, and uh, and it was like, and it was a little bit of a discussion about uh, because it, it looks like they may be doing Braun Breaker against Gunther, and they may have Braun Breaker break the streak, and I was like. I think there's no question it should be Ilya going up there and beating Gunther, and and he goes, well, I've already we've already seen that in NXT UK, and NXT. I'm like, yeah, it's a great story. Let the biggest audience that WWE has see how awesome it is, because they're never gonna play clips of Ilya and and uh, and Gunther on 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 main roster television. They still NXT kinda... UK might as well have not existed. Yeah. Uh, it's it barely it though in the kayfabe universe of wwe it exists only loosely yeah and and i think Ilya's the guy to to, that should beat beat him and then maybe you have braun beat Ilya. but it's just i just couldn't understand that just 
boggled my mind. Okay, AEW. Chris, my co-host on the Dynamite Show, Paul Fontaine, uh, deconstructed AEW Dynamite to the point where, for another animated show, if, if you recall the South Park episode where they deconstructed how Family Guy writes a gag with the manatees, did you ever see that? Yeah, I did. I did. It was brutal. Where, where, it, where it made it very hard to watch Family Guy episodes for a yes, long time. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be very hard for me to watch AEW the same way again, because here it is. Uh, you have a match. Uh, the guy who's losing the match takes 80% of it. And the guy who's in the actual feud that's going to be on the pay-per-view wins, but he only wins after getting beat for 80% of the match. And nobody ends up looking good for it. This company doesn't do straight ahead squashes at all. They always think they're going to make the other guy look good by getting all this offense in, but all it does is it just elongates the freaking match. <laughs> Why does they, Wardlow they have waste... to go 50 50 with commander who absolutely slaughtered Wardlow on that, uh, on that top rope movement his knee drove right into Wardlow's throat. Commander has no upward mobility in terms of what he can be right now. Why can't Wardlow kill that guy? You know, it's it's just one of these things. It's every like all of Brian Keith's matches, all of Trent Beretta's matches, all of Action Andretti's matches. They're they're all those. I'm gonna take eighty percent of this match and then I'm gonna lose. And it's just Especially with Wardlow, you really feel it. Where it's like, what is Tremperetta doing getting this offense in this match? Wardlow should be on a strong push, which is actually should be his catchphrase. Like that that should be on the t shirt after all of these years. But once again, we are pushing Wardlow. This is actually the worst push of him yet. Yes. Because at least in the earlier pushes, he was doing lots of jobber guy matches and sometimes multiple jobber guys. And now he is getting squarely in the mid card guys, but having competitive matches in which he ultimately prevails. And yes, his final 20% feels like he's gone on special and he's annihilating the opponent and really making a statement having, you know, like, but, but it also feels like, you know, to use the wrestling video game analogy, you were kicking your friend's ass for most of the match, and then they got lucky and randomly got on special and then hit you with, like, the razor's edge four times in a row. Yeah, they reversed the move real quick, and then they built it, up their thing and hit you with the Yeah, it, it's what... not it, – it doesn't feel like your friend beat you real, real soundly there. It's just that, like, once your friend kind of fluked that moment, that, like, then they got gratuitous and made sure to hit their special on you three times before they pinned you. The video game thing is – is apt because I'm also just, and this is true for both companies, but in WWE, I don't expect it. But in AEW, it's, it's, it's apparent. This, these matches are emotionless. There's no heat to them. There's, it doesn't feel like they're trying to fight each other. It feels like a video game in so many ways. And I'm tired of these heatless slogs of matches where we're just doing moves until until we get to the pin, the finishing sequence, or somebody kicks out of a finisher, and then we get the pin. I, I'm just, it's, make wrestling real again in terms of 
let's pretend it's real and pretend that these are guys fine because the two best things in wrestling for me this week were the two beatdowns, one on Raw, one on Dynamite. Dynamite, a bunch of CMLL guys came in and beat the crap out of Moxley with kick, kicks and stomps and things like that. And and the Judgment Day beating up R-Truth was a fantastic beatdown. I don't want to see RKOs out of nowhere and stuff like that. And a beat, I want to see gangs of dudes try and physically hurt a person and put them out of wrestling type of a thing in kayfabe, so to speak. I'm just... Nobody hates each other. It's uh, except except for Adam, except for Hangman Page, who has lost two matches to Swerve already. And for some reason, <laughs> Swerve goes, "Okay, I'll give you a third. When there's no real reason to, other than we need it for the narrative completion. I mean, we should have thought of something that Hangman could do to really get under Swerve's skin to then give him the third match, but there wasn't any of that. We had another Deanna Perrazzo match, Chris, with uh, Tony Storm on commentary. Can you imagine where all the focus was on, during this match between Deanna Perrazzo and Taya Valkyria? I'll give you a clue. Was on well, Stu. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I was going to say that I, I thought that in particular, as of late, Taz has done a fantastic job balancing humor and focus and attention in the ring. I'll tell you something, though. The, the opening match, it was uh, Moxley and Jeff Hardy. Which, again, some for some reason, Jeff Hardy is getting another high-profile match on Dynamite for the third week in a row. There was no jokes. They were playing it straight, and it's like it was almost like there was a dictate from, from the head office. Hey, call this and it was fantastic taz was calling you know psychology and why you use moves and things like that excalibur and tony were calling the action it was a pleasant experience to watch the match and then as soon as that match is over it's time for yuck yuck town again and and joke box jones over here <laughs> doing his thing i just let like, ah. and look it, i like i like tony's oh go ahead a little bit of levity during the show is would is fine and would be welcome. But it gets to the point where Taz is more focused on his next punchline than yes. the next clothesline. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's, that's solid. No, 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 no. That's that's solid shit. Don't even <laughs> don't even don't even act like that. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> well, Okay, we 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 finally have uh we, we Tony's gimmick now. She's still doing the silent movie thing or the you know the the ex you know early Hollywood star thing, but she's now one of those stars who's trying to get around. I forget the name of the code that they were using in the early days, where it's like we. But it's nothing but sex jokes she's doing now while she's doing. Oh, like, like the blue laws. Yeah, the blue laws type of thing. She's trying to get around the blue laws, but but you know she's. You know, saying things like knuckle deep and things like that. I mean, it's become apparent that this is nothing but an R or an X-rated gimmick that's trying to get around the blue laws. And it's funny, but she's not the one who needs to get over here. Deanna Perrazzo is. And again, we're just eating Deanna alive to, 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 to go with, oh, Tony Storm thinks Tony Schiavone is Ian Riccoboni again or whatever. It's just like, it's like leave her in the back and let Tony get some shine here and build her up so we can see this match again. But you hey, Deanna or Deanna. Yeah, no, we, but we did get to see, uh, 
wow, they have matching ducks on their ankles because they're sisterhood. It's like Deanna's doing nothing except doing the I want my friend back shtick. And it's got awful. It, it, the I want my friend back shtick is just very tone off. It makes you look like a yeah. wuss is what it, it does. It makes you look like a wuss, but like it, it, it makes in particular when your friend is this far gone, it makes you look crazy too. Um, I, you know, I think shit. I, I've been in this situation where you, you know, you want a, a person back, a friend back, or whatever. Uh, and uh, th- there's one I knew back in Texas, and he, you know, he was so far gone. Uh, you know, at, at a certain point that if I had, you know, stayed in the picture or whatever, and I wanted my friend back, it would make me look crazy. And that's kind of where Deanna Parazzo is. It's like, your friend now has gotten so off the, you know, kind of gotten so loony here that she, you know, thinks that everything that she does needs to be shot in black and white. You know, what are you doing, Deanna? And also during this match, they hyped, they hyped a match for, uh, I think it's Rampage or Collision. I can't remember which one of the two, but uh, I'm going to give it to you verbatim. And then I want you to tell me who you think uh, they're plugging here and who do you think is going to win the match. Queen Aminata back in action facing Willow Nightingale. <laughs> I, I, Queen Aminata? Well, yes, that's, that's the whole thing is you're supposed to think, okay, great. No, they're going to have Willow Nightingale beat her because they're still doing this stupid thing with Stokely Hathaway and Chris Statlander. Unless unless Stokely is going off with Queen Aminata, it's just the wrong way to plug something to me. It's like, I love Queen Aminata. I think she's great. I wanted her signed badly. but And then you go, and she's facing Willow Nightingale, who you've been giving a push to of late with all the... <laughs> it's just... I mean, it, it might be her turn doing? to heal. Yeah, I don't know. But, I, you know, I... I... I, I'm going to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I was still mad that they didn't do the DQ on uh, on the uh, on the Callis family. They had they, I had forgotten that they were setting up for a Takeshita versus Jericho match in Phoenix, and so they have Kyle Fletcher versus Chris Jericho, and it goes way too long. It's in the middle of the show. Chris Jericho wants to do a main event type of match. And Kyle Fletcher's getting all the offense once again. Eighty percent of the offense is Kyle Fletcher in this match, and Chris Jericho is still hung over from his cruise or something because he's in slow motion. And, uh, and yeah. And, and instead Chris Jericho just beats Kyle Fletcher. It's like, what? Your ROH TV champion, but not for the TV title, just clean and uh, a non-title match. It was baffling. And even, and even as baffling was the, uh, uh, dealer's choice for selection. Now, Toa Leona, fine competitor again probably doing too much as a monster going up against hangman page but again got 80 percent of the offense and 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 <laughs> loses but then hangman page who they they tipped this off on friday you can pick anybody in the world you want to take on swerve strickland anybody anybody mike tyson to hit him or whatever you pick Rob Van Dam. 
but it's a no DQ match. So I guess that makes it okay. I just, it, it's just, you need to logically make these things make sense. Like, oh, Rob Van Dam came to me and begged me for, so I decided to use my one thing to give it to something. Give, give us some narrative clarity on these types of decisions and things like that. Much like, hey, when you have a legend enter the Royal Rumble, it's because, oh, WWE reached out to him because otherwise it doesn't make sense that you're having surprises in the Royal Rumble which is why I liked this Royal Rumble more than most people who wanted more surprises. I'm like, no, it's logical not to have surprises in the Rumble unless you can think of a good reason why why the front office would want that guy in the main event of WrestleMania. That's all I want is better storytelling and more heat. But hey, that's me. Sorry, I've ranted for a bit, Chris. Any thoughts on things you didn't watch? <laughs> No, I, I mean, I think we have more or less succinctly talked about the dynamite formula at length. And, you know, uh, that's the real problem with the weekly product is, is that 80 20 thing. It's just very unsatisfying. And I think that they feel the need to extend the formula one, obviously because wrestlers want to get their shit in, but two, if you reduced down the formula and you made them into five or six minute matches, you would really feel how glaringly dumb they are as a structure to do that. 80, 20, where like the losing wrestler takes five minutes of a six minute match. And it's the final minute that the opposing wrestler takes. It's just not a satisfying structure. What you you wouldn't you wouldn't want to watch Commander versus Adam Page where Commander does all his flippy stuff and then it's like a buckshot lariat and that's it. Yeah, right. It's yeah, Commanders. It's just five minutes of Commander killing it. Uh, missile drop kick after missile drop kick. All of a sudden he goes off the ropes, gets caught, uh, and, and then you know that's it. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, not this week. Okay, uh, cool. I, yeah, I you know I I like. I really like the dynamic between Trick and Ilya Dragunov. I, I said it before, but I'll say it again. I thought the, that promo between them was was really good. And even though to me it sort of feels like a foregone conclusion, I I like the character work between Trick, Mello, and Ilya. Uh, they they do a good job creating doubt. I thought and, for sure that Trick Williams was going to be in the Royal Rumble, and that's why they put him on the go home SmackDown, and then Mello was going to eliminate him. I, I just did, and I was so wrong about that. And I thought it was interesting storytelling, just to add that both of them didn't know the other one what the other one was doing. Mm-hmm. That like they're really not on the same page here. I, I it's 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 a good it's a good story. It really it, like that. This has actually been a very interesting story. Uh, you know, are Mello's intentions pure in trying to win the Dusty Cup? Yeah. You know, like that's that, that they've done a good job creating doubt. I, I think that that kind of stuff is is what solid programs are. And all three of them are really talented in ring performers, too. So, like, if this ultimately results in Mello versus Trick versus Ilya, that's a really interesting three way match, ultimately. I would really like, because I think tomorrow on SmackDown, is going to be the breakup of damage control, or at least throwing Bailey out. And I want to see how I really would like it to be intense. Like, like the, the, the prototype for me, and I tweeted this earlier this week was um, the clash of champions where uh, the horsemen throw sting out. 
kind of a thing for winning future shock and then wanting the world title shot against uh rick flair and Ole's like you're no longer a horseman you never were a horseman type of a thing and i think dakota kai could get to that level with bailey i think that'd be kind of an awesome way to do it and then they just beat her down and she just decides all right screw it i'm going after eo it's just the monday follow-up was so I thought that was weak sauce. I really did with Nia beating up Rhea and, and, and all of damage control kind of cowering at it, but uh, we'll see. Um, you can follow me at crap game 13. You can follow the show at shake them ropes on, on Elon Musk's X formerly known as Twitter. Chris does not do that kind of a uh, childish stuff. He is instead on the Instagram at D O C T O R underscore N O V. We are part of the voice. We are port. We are part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network. Podcast for all of your wrestling criticism needs. You've seen the lineup. It's very, very good. Uh, I am also on Fight Game Media doing the Dynamite show uh, live 20 minutes on you, 20 minutes after Dynamite ends on YouTube, and then the next day in your audio feeds, myself and Paul Fontaine thoroughly deconstruct all things AEW, especially that Wednesday show. Chris is uh, shoveling snow and uh, giving tours and giving guitar lessons. He's going to plug his stuff now. Yeah, if you are in the market for snow or guitar lessons, uh, I, I'm the guy. Uh, also, if, if you are interested in watching me de- develop out and restore a Daisy Rock Mojo Jojo guitar, go and follow me. Oh, Inst- Mojo Jojo. I, dude, I'm so excited. Uh, like when this thing's done, it's going to sound awesome. But just like to have a have a Mojo Jojo is very, very exciting. Um, so follow me uh, on Instagram. If you want to see me restore a guitar and bring this thing up to extreme glory at D O C T O R underscore N O V. We'll see you next week. Hello, voices of wrestling listener, Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of world championship wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.